Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. I am Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll. We are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com, and what in the world are we going to talk about this week? I have no idea. We'll see where it goes. Um, yeah, you know, you'd think, you know, around this time, there's not much for Brewers news to be happening. They're out of the playoffs. The offseason hasn't quite started yet. They're not really able to make any moves. But thanks to a wonderful wake-up call on Thursday morning, we've got something to talk about, Matt, don't we? Silver Sluggers! Yeah! Yeah! Silver Slugger finalists, that's what we're talking about. Wait a second. No, that's not it. Wait, no, no, that's not it. That that can't be right. Christian Yelich is a gold glove finalist. Yeah! Yeah! No, wait. But Wait, is that it. was that it? No, that no, that that can't that can't have been it. No, what what was it? Oh, I know. David Stearns stepped down as the Brewers president of baseball operations. That's what it was. Yeah, kind of a minor news story to start a Thursday morning Thursday morning news dump. Yeah, and kind of a major bummer. Uh, to be completely honest, I mean, we we all kind of figured this might be coming someday. You know, the the Mets have been after him for years. Other teams have been trying to get rid of, you know, take Stearns away from us for for years. And you know, the the Brewers have held off on that. And you know, he was in, entering into the final year of his contract. I assumed, and most assumed, that Mark Atanasio would be trying to sign. Stearns to a contract extension to keep him here even longer. I mean, the the job was Stearns as long as he wanted it. It it, it was his. He wasn't going to get fired. Nothing was even with the Josh Hader trade and all the fallouts there and the horribleness of the Trevor Rosenthal trade and all that. Even no matter what he did, he was not going to get fired. The job was his as long as he wanted it, and he doesn't want it anymore. Uh, that that's what it seems like. He stepped down into an advisory role. As a 37-year-old, keep in mind the last GM the Brewers had, Doug Melvin, stepped down into an advisory role. He wasn't fired, but he was getting towards the end. He's like, you know what? I'm going to take a step back, let some new guy come in and take over, and I'm going to go into an advisory role. But Doug Melvin was nearing retirement age, and David Stearns is 37. Um, that's not not quite retirement age, Matt. I wish I could step down into an advisory role. I'm older than friggin' David Stearns is. Yeah. A couple years. Get, get into semi-retirement already. Yeah, that'd be nice. Not happening for, for good old Matt here. No. But for good old Matt Arnold, he's getting a it, nice little promotion. Yep. It's a good day for that, Matt. Yep, Matt, uh, Matt Arnold bumps up from general manager to president of baseball operations. Did he get that official title, or is he just... I, uh, I, I think he just got the lead um, of baseball operations. I don't think he got promoted specifically to president. I, I didn't see that. Uh, let's. He might still just be general manager, and they just don't have a president of baseball option. We'll move into the lead role overseeing baseball operations. So I guess. So, no, so that's not specifically technically... president, but. Right. He's he's the head guy in charge, so right. I think he's still general manager. He's leading baseball operations, but he's not the president of baseball operations. No. No, he's he's not <laughs> El Presidente. No. So essentially he's what Basically basically he is on the council, but he has not been granted the rank of master. 
That is yes. <laughs> good poll. Good poll. For the Star Wars crowd out there. Yep. The well, prequel trilogy. Yeah. But um yeah, so that that was um the the big news of the day and you know, they, they had the press conference very, you know, quickly put together. I mean, it was announced at like, what, 830 this morning. Uh, word got out that Stearns was stepping down. And then uh, the Brewers had a press conference at 10. Uh, so an hour, an hour and a half later, the media has to scramble to get to Miller Park to, to show up for the press conference. Where? And it, American <laughs> Family Field. It is. I'll put a dollar in the jar. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it'll always be Miller Park. You guys know this. Um, but, yeah, so everyone had to scramble to get there, you know, do the the press conference, ask them questions like, why? Why are you doing this? You know, what's going on? You know, what, what are the changes going to be? And, you know, Matt Arnold, we, we haven't seen much of him publicly. Stearns has been the face of, of the you know front office uh, this entire time for the past seven years. And, you know, we finally get to see a little bit more of Matt Arnold. And man, he is just as evasive answering questions as David Stearns. He had the masterclass of answering without answering the questions. Yeah, learned from the best, didn't he? Yeah, it was it was a struggle to kind of watch that time and be like, huh, what? What's going on? And there there were a couple of interesting quotes from from that press conference and David Stern saying that, you know, he's stepping down once, you know, a little more time to kind of take a breath. Um, you know, it's not, you know, as soon as he stepped down, it's like, okay, everyone knows he's going to New York. He's going to Houston. He's going somewhere. He's leaving. But he's like, no, I'm, he's like, this gives me the opportunity to pursue other interests. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, that's, we know where you're going. And then in the very next sentence, he's like, but I'm not going anywhere. I am staying here in Milwaukee. I'm like, really? Are you sure? For how long? Because I don't think it's going to be for very long um, being in that advisory role. He's got one year left on his contract, did not extend it. Mark Atanasio said he would love to extend it uh, and, and offered it to him, but Stearns did not take it. will step down into the advisory role and let his contract expire after next year. He says he's going to stay uh, in that advisory role, Matt, do you do you buy that? Do do you believe he's going to be staying? I mean, I don't a hundred percent. No, I, that is a weird way to put it that you're not going anywhere, but you're free to pursue other interests. So does that mean those other interests are non baseball related? Is that what we're talking about? He is. Is he improving his golf game? Is that what he's right. doing? Right. Uh, is he investing in the new pro Milwaukee soccer club? Uh, he got <laughs> jealous of Adonazio and now he wants to invest in that. I don't know. Um, so I guess technically he could be referring to a non-baseball activity. But uh, and, and actually, uh, it was pointed out that um, Adonazio can still technically um, not allow him to interview for certain things. So. Like, him stepping down doesn't just automatically make him available for things. Mm -hmm. um, so that's not necessarily just a, you know, quick logical link here. Um, I still do feel like it's related to those types of things. The Mets job, obviously, even though they came out today and said that they have no plans on 
making any moves surrounding their GM or whatever they call their head of baseball operations there, and that they're moving forward with Billy Epling. If they can get Stearns, I'm sure they would love to get Stearns. But um, I know there was a lot of talk. Um, Robert and Adam talked about it on the Baseball Insiders podcast about um, the Astros. And even though their GM has done a good job over the last few years, there's some thoughts that maybe they would um, want to go in a different direction. And Stearns came from Houston. So, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Is that a, out a personal interest he'd be? potentially looking into i don't know i feel like even though he's saying that that it's it has to have something to do with that i don't know it just i'm I'm not totally buying the i'm here you guys like it's why why else would you why would why else would you step down right yeah if you were you know looking to to stay uh in milwaukee you would have taken the contract extension you know um, but, you know, he's talking about how he's looking to take a breather and, you know, take take a step back and, you know, maybe just feeling a little burned out. You know, that's entirely possible. I mean, running a running a baseball team, being president of baseball operations is, you know, more than ju- it, like that is 25 hours a day, eight days a week. That That is the kind of job that is. It is tough. Um, you know, we have seen the we, we have heard the, the stories, you know, Robert and. Uh, Adam, we're talking about this on the podcast. Will Salmon mentioned it in uh, his article about Stearns dropping out, even though he's over with the Mets now. He still wrote something on it, which was which was great. You know, it, it was good to read a Will Salmon article on yeah. the Brewers again. It, it, it felt it felt right. Um, you know, the the story about how Stearns wanted to just take one day off and take his wife to dinner, and he wasn't even able to to do that. And, you know, one Brewers official, you know, had to spit out their drink, you know, when, when they heard it. And um, I believe that was when the Willie Adamas trade uh, was happening, gets a call during dinner from, from Eric Neander in Tampa about Willie Adamas and has to leave dinner with his wife to, to go do work. I mean, that's, that's tough. You know, like it's just a normal day in May. You know, you just think, okay, I can take a day off, you know, relax. Like it'll be fine. And just, just take the wife out to dinner and just wasn't able to do that. Matt, if, if you were out to a super nice dinner with your wife, trying to take a day off of work and work called you in, how would that go? Um, since I make significantly less money than David Stearns and don't have as good of an excuse, it probably okay, wouldn't enough. go well. Not well, no. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it like that. Like that's got to be tough, you know. Like what, like weighing on you, like personally. I mean, he's a young dude, uh, wife, couple of young kids. That's you know, he's probably not able to like be as invested there as he'd like to be, um, which is you know something that. Like, it, it's understandable why he'd want to take, you know, a little less time at work and spend more time with the family. I mean, there are more, th- despite how much we all love the Brewers and how important the Brewers winning is, there are more important things than, than the Brewers. You know, there, there are more important things for David Stearns to address in his life than just, hey, can I find a shortstop somewhere or, or whatever? Yeah, and we're talking a little bit before uh, we started recording. You know, 
baseball was in this lockout during the week during the winter and although i'm sure there were you know some little bits of chatter uh during the lockout even though they weren't supposed to he probably had a little bit more free time a little bit more time to spend with the family and i have to imagine he looked at that and was like oh well this is this is kind of nice actually being able to be a family man and spend time with kids and uh things like that and you wonder if that at any point uh was in the back of his mind, like, you know, I, I would the like anti Tom Brady, the anti Tom Brady, exactly. Um, it, one of the last tweets that um, Adam posted had a quote from his story uh, where Stern said, "This is a job that requires complete and total commitment." When I began to hesitate about whether I could make that commitment, I knew it was time to contemplate a change. I mean, that's that's saying a lot to say yeah. that there were times where he didn't wasn't sure that he was able to give 100% commitment. I that mean, explains the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could explain that. It could explain um, a variety of things that happened last year. But, I mean, it's just it's just having those doubts in your mind. It's the same thing anyone, you know, a lot of us would have at our jobs. You know, if you get to the point where you're not completely invested in your work anymore, maybe it is time for something different. And, you know, that goes for uh, big wigs and whatnot, like David Stearns, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if, if you have that opportunity to, you know, just kind of take a step back and take a breather, uh, if, if you're feeling burnt out or whatever, then, I mean, go ahead and, and take it, I guess. I mean, it, it puts the Brewers in, in a bit of a bind here, though. I mean, they, they've been preparing for this, uh, for him leaving. I think they've, they've known it was a possibility for a while uh, that's why they've kept Matt Arnold around. And, you know, now he kind of is able to to step up into that role and, you know, just kind of it's his show now. Um, so now instead of the blame all going on Stearns, if it goes wrong, now it all goes to Arnold. So yeah. now now we can complain about Matt Arnold about everything. Uh, that's uh, that, that that's going to be a big possibility. I mean, th- th- he inherits. I mean, let's talk about what Matt Arnold is is inheriting here as a situation. Um, he inherits a club that underperformed last year that has a very good core. I mean, you, you have a really strong core rotation with Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. Uh, you also got Aaron Ashby in there as well, signed to a long-term extension. So you got a really good core four. Um, Eric Lauer is solid in there as well. You have a really good shortstop in Willie Adamas. You have a former MVP in Christian Yelich. You have outfield prospects coming out the wazoo. Uh, Garrett Mitchell, the first that, that has arrived, and several more down in AAA. That's what you got as a core. So you have shortstop. You have between one of those four outfield, one of those five top outfield prospects, including Jackson Churio down in AA. Between one of those five, someone has to work out as a starting center fielder. So you got center field spoken for. Uh, center field is going to be really good. Shortstop is really good. And you have an incredible top three in the rotation. That's a good situation to inherit. You're up the middle is is pretty solid. Plus, of course, Matt, Mario Feliciano coming up at catcher. Of course. Of course. So you're, you're getting, you know, something good there as well. But the payroll. Mm-hmm. The payroll is going to be a problem because all these guys, this core is in arbitration. 18 players are in arbitration from the 26-man roster. 
Now, not all of them will be tendered, but most of them will be because most of them make up that core. That is your Corbin Burns, your Willie Adamas, your Brandon Woodruff, Hunter Renfro. Um, you have a ton of guys in arbitration that are all making that that are going to be making big raises this year. Thirty plus million dollars projected in raises, and you don't have a lot of core contributors, at least at the moment, that are pre-arbitration. Mm. The Cleveland Guardians made it to the ALDS this year and took the Yankees to five games. They nearly made it to the ALCS on a bare minimum payroll. They were at like $60 million in payroll. All of their guys, practically all of their guys, were pre-arbitration. Now, granted, they traded everyone away and you know, sort of did a rebuild, but their farm system produced. And they have these guys on pre-arbitration, so they're able to build a competitive team with very little salary. The Brewers, all their guys that were in pre-arbitration in 2018 when they were good, those guys are now in arbitration. And they're making big-time money, and they might have to make more tough decisions, such as the Josh Hader trade, in order to make the budget work because – Unless Mark Atanasio wins the lottery, I don't see you know extra big time payroll bumping up in the Brewers' future. Well, it's eight hundred million on the Powerball this weekend, so maybe Mark buys a ticket and gets to pop a little back, bit of that into the payroll. I don't know. Um, or hopefully, I win it and then I I can retire, <laughs> step into an advisory role. Um, but no, he. You're right. It, it, he inherits an interesting situation. Um, all those arbitration eligible guys. Um, he does inherit a farm system that has moved up out of the bottom third in organizational rankings on most websites. So that's good. You've got kind of a um, a, a better uh, prospect situation than they've had since really since they started being competitive. So you've got some options potentially there. Um, you do have some options, as you alluded to, with these arbitration-eligible guys. Some of them are guys you're going to have to keep. Some of them aren't. Um, some trades are probably going to have to be made. I have to assume that both Arnold and Stearns have already started chatting before they knew this was coming about what the potential direction was going to be this offseason. And I also have to imagine that Arnold already had his own ideas of what he thought would be good ideas for moves to be made uh, this offseason. So that's that's the positive that you get out of having a guy come up and step into this role that's been, you know, the, that's the protege here. He's already familiar with the team. He's already familiar with the assets. He's already familiar with the payroll. He knows the situation. And he's already been stewing on it. He's He's been helping no. to mold this team along with Stearns. And so if there's anyone who can just jump right into the driver's seat and start moving things around, it's going to be Matt Arnold. So in that sense, I mean, that's a good thing for the Brewers. Yeah. And, you know, they, they've been talking about this. And Stearns and Arnold have been mostly on the same wavelength. Um, for the past couple of years, you know, ever, ever since Arnold moved up into that GM role, um, they've pretty much been in mostly in agreement on, on just about everything from, from what it seems like now, naturally they wouldn't, if there were disagreements, they wouldn't tell us publicly. Uh, so it's hard to truly know for sure how much they differed, but 
you know, they've already gone through the the planning for for this offseason. That's kind of, they kind of already know what they want to do. Um, and Stearns is still an advisory role for now. So, you know, if Arnold has uh, whatever looking for guidance, it can go to him. But ultimately, the decision is going to lie with Arnold now. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think it's going to change too much for this offseason uh, from what Stearns would have done versus what Arnold will do. Yeah. Um, I think they've already kind of got that mapped out. You now, as we get further out from this and once Stearns ends up does once he ends up actually leaving the organization, because we know it's coming eventually, he's not staying around forever in an advisory role. Right. That's just going to be for one year. Um, after his contract's up, he's probably going to go elsewhere and lead some other baseball operations department. I doubt he would be like, you know what? I want to come back as a Brewers president of baseball ops and, and sign an extension to stay here. You know, they're not going to promote Arnold and then demote him back again, just to put Stearns back up. I wouldn't think um, that would be odd. Yeah. Very. Yeah. yeah so no, I, I would agree. And he's not, he's not going to stick around in an advisory role for, you know, three, four, five years or whatever. Uh, Doug Melvin has, but again, Doug Melvin was, you know, he's in like semi-retirement, you know, essentially he can still kind of do some stuff, hang around the game, uh, work with some prospects or, you know, whoever else just kind of do some things to help out, but not in a decision-making capacity, collect a paycheck, work from home half the time. You know, it's, you know, nice and easy for Doug Melvin, but David Stearns, little different situation. So the, the offseason, again, I don't think it's going to change too much, uh, the, the plan here. But going forward, um, you know, Arnold even kind of said in, a, in the press conference how, you know, he's got, you know, some of his own ideas, you know, doing things maybe a little bit differently and trying to reevaluate some stuff. So we could be seeing some changes going forward. Yeah, I, I mean, did say that. The two have been on the same wavelength. They're familiar with uh, the moves that have been happening, and they've probably chatted about um, ideas for the offseason. But that was all with Stearns technically being the one who gets to make the final decision. Now that it's Arnold's show, you know, maybe he did have differing opinions at times and uh, a direction that he wanted to go, and, and they ended up doing uh, something different because, you know, ultimately Stern's the big boss man. Well, now Arnold's the big boss man. So maybe he will do some different things. Maybe he will put uh, more of an emphasis on a different offensive strategy or, you know, have a different way of evaluating bullpen arms um, because that's been a kind of a pain point over the last couple years, especially around some of the guys acquired at the deadline or, you know, maybe he has different like just slightly different thoughts on how the roster should be constructed. I don't know. Um, but now he gets to kind of run with that. And um, we'll really see th- those arbitration eligible names. We will really see what the direction's going to be based off of kind of what he does there. Um, what kind of guys get non-tendered? What kind of guys get moved potentially um, before it's time to, uh, you know, pass along those arbitration numbers and um i don't know but that's like you said that's the big core and really what happens with that group of players is going to set the tone for where this team's what this team's going to look like in 2023 
Yeah, and they need the the development of those young guys to really kind of take over. Um, because, I mean, they're not going to be able to re-sign this entire arbitration class. They are not going to be keeping Burns and Woodruff and Adamas and Telez and Renfro and Lauer and Hauser and Urias and all these guys for years and years into the future. They need young guys to come up and replace them um, and be making that league minimum salary because Christian Yelch has taken up $26 million of payroll each and every year for the rest of the decade. Um, you've got Freddie Peralta signed, you got Aaron Ashby signed. And I mean, those are team friendly deals, but if you want to sign Burns, uh, or Woodruff, uh, that's going to take up a pretty big chunk of change. If you want to sign Adamas, that's going to take a pretty big chunk of change. Uh, so in order for the team to still be within their payroll range of what Mark Atanasio can, or I should say is willing to spend, um, you're going to need to keep some of those guys, such as your Burns or Woodruff or Adamas, and then have to have a bunch of spots taken by guys and, and rely on guys that are making league minimum salary for the next couple of years. You're going to have to rely on Garrett Mitchell and Bryce Terang and Mario Feliciano and Sal Freelich for you know the next three years while they're, while they're making league minimum while they're making barely anything, you know, that's what in a small market team like the Brewers needs to do to compete. You need to have that. You can't be the Dodgers where you have everyone essentially that's making 20 plus million dollars a year. You can pay everyone eight figures a year and keep all your stars and make it work and be super competitive and find all the good players and sign them all and, you know, not have to worry about anything you can't be the Dodgers. You, they, they just can't. Baseball's not set up that way. So you need to have it where you're going to have a couple of, you know, the higher paid guys that you keep around that you sign long term. Yelich is one of them. Burns should be the next. Um, and then you have to fill with a farm system that is continually producing. Mm-hmm. And they haven't had that the last couple of years, which has put them in this situation that they found themselves in in 2022 where they didn't have enough depth, didn't have enough help to get them where they needed to be. Right. And then once you do realize, okay, we can't keep every single one of these arbitration eligible guys, then it's trying to decide, okay, so uh, who, who goes? I mean, we've, we've talked a little bit, I, I believe uh, in either the last episode or the one before that about the potential of, um, Renfro getting traded. I doubt he would get non-tendered, but trade could be a possibility. <laughs> that yeah. Do, do we want to talk about that? Didn't we? I, I thought we did, but maybe we didn't. Maybe we talked about that off air. The the Hunter Renfro non-tender thing? No, not non-tender. Trade. Oh, th- that oh. it was on a... I see what you're saying. Yeah. Sure, why not? Yeah. So, and there'll be trade rumors. Does this off-season outlook thing the other day, right? And this is this is before the the Stearns news, and they're looking at it, and they list Hunter Renfro as a non-tender candidate at eleven million dollars, and they say it's because he's one-dimensional. Um, he's just oh. kind of a home run guy, doesn't bring much defense, you know, doesn't really bring much else besides the homers. And I'm thinking to myself, what? Hunter, first of all, Hunter Renfro is a top ten outfielder in terms of arm strength 
Okay, so he he does bring defensive value with a top 10 arm, literally, that is backed up by StatCast. Secondly, one-dimensional, he led the Brewers in qualified batting average this year with 255. Now, granted, two slugging and OPS and slugging and OPS. He led the Brewers in those categories, batting average, slugging, OPS. Now, granted, a 255 batting average should not be your team (laughs) batting champion. No, it shouldn't. But it was. And 255 for a power hitter is nothing to sneeze at. Oh. If if anyone was a one-dimensional guy with the home runs, it would have been Rowdy Telez. Rowdy Telez hit 219 with 35 homers. And he doesn't bring – I mean, he's he's a good first baseman, you know, solid first baseman, not much range. Um, you know, but he can pick it in the dirt. But every first baseman should be able to pick it in the dirt. Um, that's that, That's the main crux of their job. So, if anyone would be one-dimensional, it would be Rowdy more so than, than Hunter Renfro. Uh, so, I found that characterization very odd uh, from MLB Trade Rumors. But, yeah, Hunter Renfro, they're not going to non-tender him. There, there is no way. I don't, I don't care if $11 million is, is too much for them to want to pay him, which it might be. They're not going to non-tender him. They would tender him and try to trade him. Uh, if anything, I could very much see them trading Hunter Renfro this offseason. I could easily see that. I, I can understand that. Non-tender would not make any sense because they would get nothing back for him. But you can get something, at least something decent, for one year of Hunter Renfro coming off a really solid season that he had. Yeah, I no, I, I, I do not agree that they would non-tender him at all either. Um, if they if they had centered the arguments around the the money aspect of it, like I get it, Brewers are a uh, um, low income team um, or low payroll team, I should say. Well, they're uh, also low income, I guess. Also low income team. Um, you run into that question with especially like contract options. Do you pick up an option? You know, that's upwards of you know ten plus million dollars. It, not deciding whether to tender a guy in this final year of arbitration kind of runs along the similar argument. So I get that. But again, like you said, like even in that sense, um, trading him makes more sense because he's essentially a rental then to a team that acquires him because he has that one year left. But he brings a lot to the table. The whole one-dimensional aspect is ridiculous. I mean, he's good on offense. He's good on defense. That I guess that's that's one of the things though about these like aggregate type websites is they have to know a little bit about a lot of teams, but they don't know a lot of times they don't know a lot about single teams. Yeah. They're not the you know the um the Buster Olneys and the um why is every person's name escaping me right now? My God. Jeff Passan. Jeff Passan. Thank you. Um, Ken Rosenthal. That's that's who I could picture in my head. I was picturing the literal bow tie and I was just coming up. Ah, uh, yes. For Tim Kirkchen. Not those guys that are like literal experts on every single team and every single player in the league. Um, yeah, sometimes you end up with articles and assessments like that. Um, no, Renfro was a very valuable member of that team last year, you could argue that the, you know, offensive MVP might have been between him and Adamas, and you could make a real strong argument that it was Hunter Renfro. 
mm-hmm. in 2022. So yeah, not not buying one dimensional, not buying that he'd be non-tendered, none of the above. Yeah, it's it, it's you look you look at the rest of that article too, and he was saying, oh, you know, you got at first base, you got Rowdy Telez and you got Keston Hira. And he's like, I feel like you know maybe huh. they should trade Rowdy Telez and, and like t- take choose Hira over Telez. And based on what we've seen from this team and how they played Keston Hira and how they played Rowdy Telez, I think they're more inclined to keep Rowdy Telez than they are to to trade him in favor of Hira. Uh, I think Hira is the one who would get traded this offseason. Um, and maybe should. I'll I'll get into that. Uh, I'll write something on that later on. Um, but it was also frustrating because this offseason outlook came like on the same day that I posted my Brewers offseason preview <laughs> article, like my super like in depth like seven slide uh, article, which you should check out by the way on reviewingthebrew.com. Um, going into everything that the free agents, the arbitration class, the contract options, and of course. They just have to put theirs out shortly after. Of course they do. Um, but I think my analysis was much better, uh, much better than what they had. Just saying. Because uh, I watch this team each and every single day, and I'm not going to be like, you know, Hunter Renfro is one-dimensional. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I, I can I can come up with smarter opinions and analysis than that. Um, I'd think, at least. Uh, I may have some dumb takes from time to time, but for the most part, I feel like I'm pretty solid. They can't be as bad as Robert Murray's food takes. Let's just. That's true. That he there. said chocolate is gross the other day. Uh, and I am just appalled. He thinks chocolate is gross. He hates. Cho- he thinks chocolate and peanut butter together is also gross. So he hates Reese's. Um, I find that disturbing. Cinnabon. He says Cinnabon tastes terrible and that frosting ruins cinnamon rolls. And I I can't believe I am friends with him. I like I I can't believe that he's saying such such things. That this is like Squidward when he talks crap about the Krabby Patty, you know. And SpongeBob just doesn't know what to do. Like th- this is what it's like. Didn't he say, also say cheese on burgers is bad? Yeah, uh, he doesn't like oh. cheese. He caught hell from uh, Jeff Passan for saying boneless wings are better than regular wings, which is ridiculous. Boneless wings aren't even wings. They're chicken nuggets. Just deal with it, people. Sometimes those sauced up chicken nuggets are just more convenient, but they're yeah. sauced up chicken nuggets, all right? Yeah. Like, the, like they are tasty. Like, you know, not not arguing that, that they do, they do still taste good, but are they wings? No, and they're not better than actual wings. Actually, okay, okay, we're not getting into this. Okay, I'm not, we, not letting Robert Murray take me down this whole rabbit hole. All right. All right, we, we did, we're already angry enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yeah. But um, yeah, and it just it, it leads to like like this is gonna be an off season of a lot of questions, and I think this is gonna be an off season of relative inactivity on the free agent market mm-hmm. um, for, for the brewers. I mean, just with, with what they've said, what they've got and what their payroll is, um, who are they really going to go after? You know, wh- wh- where do they have room to add? Uh, Colton Wong is, is their first big decision. Let, let, let's talk Colton Wong here for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You got that contract option that they got to decide soon. $10 million of salary for next year, $2 million buyout. 
He just had a career year. Had a 116 WRC plus, 15 homers, a career high, hit 251, something like that. Um, I, I think he hit 251. But either way, like solid numbers. Um, you know, silver he, slugger finalist. Silver slugger finalist, yes. Um, you know, he put up a, a really strong second half. He struggled on the first half. His defense took a bit of a step back. Um, but he's he just turned 32, so he's not too old to to bounce back. Um, you know, I think he still has you know at least one more good year left in him. But would you rather pay him 10 million dollars, or would you rather pay Bryce Terang yep. 700 thousand to do something probably pretty similar to what? Colton Wong brings. Yeah. And in some senses better. Uh, Bryce Terang, he, he's been able to get on base at every level of the minor leagues. He led the organization in steals last year. So he's actually going to be able to do more on the base paths. Um, and he is as strong a defender. If Colton Wong continues to decline, he might actually be better of a defender right now on mm-hmm. the infield. And, and he actually showed a little bit of pop. Last year, uh, Terang hit double-digit home runs for the first yeah, time. Yeah, 13 career. homers. Yeah, so they're kind of the same person, except Terang, based off his minor league numbers, granted, mm-hmm. might be a little bit better. If those can translate to, or at least get close to translating to MLB numbers, yeah, you've got the same guy. And so, of course, it makes sense to save money there. That is, yeah. I'm making that, if I'm Arnold... I'm making that call in a heartbeat. I'm adding Terang to the roster yesterday because we have an open roster spot. Yes, yes. Miguel Sanchez got outrighted off the 40-man after uh, going on the IL with a minor UCL uh, injury and then never pitching again really the rest of the year. So, so much for the uh, minor uh, thing. But, yeah, Miguel Sanchez is off the roster, and I mean they're going to have to add Bryce Trang anyways. He's Rule right. Five eligible this winter. Bryce Trang is a hundred percent guaranteed lock to be added to the forty man. Yeah. Um, but I mean, then again, ten million dollars really isn't unreasonable for Colton Wong and the production that he brings. Um, it's you know somewhat high for the Brewers given the rest of their payroll picture. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not an unreasonable salary no. for them to pay him. So it makes it frustrating a little bit for, for all of us, for Brewers fans, for, for the team, for for Wong, certainly, that he is probably going to get his option declined just because that's where the Brewers are with their payroll. You know, his salary, $10 million should be nothing. Or, you know, it should be easy, an easy accept based on his play, based on what he brings to the plate. He's hit 29 homers in two years mm-hmm. in Milwaukee. He's been a really solid player and a really good veteran leader on this club. And you're probably going to have to dump him for a rookie because of payroll. Yeah, and this ties back to the arbitration discussion. They have so many guys who are going to get raises, even if they only end up tendering half those guys, it'll be more than half. But even if they only ended up tendering the most important half, they're going to need money 
for that, those races. And you'll save some with uh, the fact that McCutcheon was only on a one-year deal, so that money's off the payroll. You would potentially save some if they ended up trading Hunter Renfro. Um, and then you would save some with uh, declining Colton Wong's option. That's that's going to be damn close to $30 million if all three of those players um, were to move on in one form or another. And you're going to need every single one of those $30 million basically to pour into these raises. So I, I think that is a decision that ends up getting made. To go back to the free agent discussion, a lot of the guys, as I've seen some of these lists coming out for you know top free agents that are going to be available, a lot of these guys are just from positions that the Brewers don't need. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's some starting pitchers out there. There's some shortstops out there. There's some outfielders out there. All positions where the Brewers have guys that they're going to go with, whether it's, you know, your strong starting pitching staff or Adamus or Yelich and these young outfielders that, you know, you want to give a chance to. And also because they are cost effective. That's where a lot of the positions that are going to be available are, unfortunately. Um, Third base, for example, an area that, you know, um, a, a lot of fans might think that the Brewers could throw some money at to potentially upgrade, have Urias shift to maybe more of a utility role. Um, there's not, outside of potentially Brandon Drury, no, not a lot of third base options out there for free no. agency. N- n- none of those guys outside of Drury would represent an improvement over Luis Urias. Right. Um, how big except a- Nolan Arenado, if he opted well, out, but... But even if he did, the Brewers couldn't afford him. And that's the same with a lot of those other free agent guys like Trey Turner and whoever in the in the outfield and the starting pitchers. Even if the Brewers did have an opening at shortstop, they couldn't afford Trey Turner. They, they couldn't afford to get him in free agency. So, you know, the, it's almost even moot. And, you know, free agency, they're, they're working on the fringes, you know, even, even to begin with. So I, I think you're going to see more improvements uh, try to be made via trade. Um, I think that's going to be their their best path to to look at. And you know, as I was saying before, you have to give some of these young guns uh, a chance. Like it it is time for Bryce Terang. It is time for Garrett Mitchell and Sal Freelich and Asteri Ruiz and probably Joey Weimer. Um, it's time for Mario Feliciano. So you got to give these guys the opportunity. Uh, you know, it, it'll save your payroll a bunch. You can pay those guys, you know, all of them combined next year less than what you would sign a free agent to play one position. You know, you, you'll you pay all those guys combined less than what you paid Andrew McCutcheon this year. You know, so it, it's it's much more cost effective, as you said, to go that route. So it's probably going to be a disappointing offseason and a pretty quiet offseason on that front. And they may need to just... Like this offseason may just need to be clearing the roster mm-hmm. because there were so many guys on, on this team where it's just like they're all right. And, you know, it's like but you can't really move on from them. You know, even if even if they're struggling, even even if they're disappointing, you couldn't really move on from them. You know, once it got to August, you, you're not going to you're not going to DFA Colton Wong. You're not going to DFA Keston Hira. You're, you're not going to to cut these guys for nothing. 
And you can only do so much with trading them midseason. I mean, they did that with Hader, and look how spectacularly that blew up in their face. Mm-hmm. So the offseason kind of it, it pres- it presents a chance. You got a, a bunch of guys clearing out in free agency, McCutcheon clearing out, Jace Peterson hitting free agency, Omar Narvaez. Like, you wanted to get rid of Omar Narvaez. He was struggling mightily all season long. But you couldn't get rid of him. It, it, it wouldn't have made any sense. To, to you, you can't just cut him in August, so especially when he's becoming a free agent here. So you just let him become a free agent, and then you can reset at catcher. So plus Victor Caratini. I mean, we, we could talk about this going into the offseason. Do they keep Caratini? He's right. struggled really badly in the second mm-hmm. half. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of decent catching options on the free agent market. Perhaps they get one of those guys to pair them with Feliciano for next year. You know, there's a bunch of different routes that Matt Arnold could go, um, and and he's the guy in charge now. So, you know, his whole philosophy when it comes to free agency and what he wants to do with some of these players, um, you know, we'll we'll kind of see who is who his guys are, who he wants to to keep around and, and work with, and and, and what kind of guys he wants to to fill the holes on the team, and. You know, for the longest time, it's been in Stearns we trust. Even with the failures of the deadline this past year, you know, Stearns earned the trust of of everybody. And Matt Arnold is going to have to earn that trust on his own because that that trust belonged to Stearns, mm-hmm. not Stearns and Arnold together. Right. Um, it, it wasn't Arnold's decisions all those times. So now it's Arnold. You know, David Stearns, he started with, you know, you're going to have to earn the trust. You, like, it, it is a blank slate. You're going to have to start clean, and we'll see what you do. And he started off strong. He earned that trust and and built it up over a while and used up all that capital, used up all that equity on the Josh Hader trade, and then he decides to step down. So now Matt Arnold is going to have to start over from square one on, on earning that trust uh, of the fans. Yeah, but again, he because of the fact that he's already from the organization, familiar with the organization, he he knows what guys in that clubhouse are important to, you know, to the vibe, to to leadership, to keeping things together. And he also saw what happened when they not disregarded that, but kind of disregarded that. Uh, with the Josh Hader. They trade. underestimated it. Underestimated that um, with the Josh Hader trade. And so you have a new guy come in. There's a chance that they don't know those things and they just start wheeling and dealing and making moves because they're just saying, you know what? It's assets. We're trying to make the roster better and we're just going to do what we need to do. Arnold hopefully ends up taking a little bit more of that into account when he makes these moves. Um, and then we see what his direction is based off of that. But like, yeah, like you said, I mean, he, until we see that he actually does those things, he's starting from square one with the trust factor with Brewers fans. And so when we hit February, March, we're going to have a real good gauge at that point of how much trust he's already built up. He's, He's going to have an entire off season of moves, a bunch of different stages to go through between uh, the arbitration, the non-tender deadline, um, winter meetings, international signings, free agency, trades that he may make along the way, 
all these different things that lead up to uh, pitchers and catchers reporting that he's going to get to do now. And by that point, we'll see how much the fan base has decided they're going to trust him. Yeah. And he's, he's entering this in a very poor situation and poor timing to try to build up that trust because they're in a, they're in a point now where they're going to have to make a lot of tough decisions and perhaps trade some key pieces and some well-liked pieces from their big league roster for the sake of payroll. When Stearns came in, it was a rebuild. You know, they had sold everyone off. They had sold Carlos Gomez, traded him away. It is, it was a rebuild. Everyone knew it was. So people had very little expectations for the team in 2016, 2017. Uh, they knew that guys like Jonathan Lucroy and whoever stuck around were going to be traded away. Um, so it was a little bit e- easier of a situation for Stearns to walk into and earn that trust because the expectations were so low. Um, for Arnold, the expectations are much higher and he's in a much more difficult situation to try to reach those goals. You know, it's really going to be tough with, with the payroll, with, with the way the roster is situated. And, you know, because of that, I'm feeling a little, this this is unusual for me. I'm feeling a little more pessimistic. Um, about it and, and what he's going to be able to do to try to earn that trust. Um, because, you know, as I was saying before, I think it's going to be a quiet off season. How are you going to earn the trust of fans, you know, that, that you're going to be making the right, the right moves if you're not making any moves? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's hard to earn that from the get-go. Um, you know, Stearns had a, a couple of, you know, trades there at, at the beginning, you know, getting, uh, sending out Gene Segura, bringing in Chase Anderson and, and Aaron Hill and, you know, uh, a couple of the other trades, the I think he traded the trade Chris Davis, I believe, as well that offseason. That one didn't really work out as well, but yeah. um, like, like a couple of other trades that they had um, to bring in some some solid players, send out some of the old ones, bring in some prospects, and Arnold's not really going to be able to trade for prospects. Um, he's not he's going to have to trade from from the big league team, try and get some other guys, and you know may not work out as well. So I'm feeling a little more pessimistic. Do you want a bold prediction, Matt? Oh, we love bold predictions on the Cold Brew podcast. We do love bold predictions. All of our bold predictions were wrong (laughs) at the beginning. That's true. Thinking back on that, um, all mine were wrong. Uh, Yeah. I believe I I know Corbin Burns didn't repeat as Cy Young. No. Uh, there was no perfect game uh, that no. they threw this year. No. no. But, I, but yeah, so a bold prediction. Um, people are going to be calling for Arnold to get fired within two years. Hmm. I, I think people are going to be, are going to be like, you know what? This ain't going to work out. They're going to have fans calling for him to get fired within the next two years. And, Second bold prediction, follow-up, he will get fired within five years. I'm not going to give him some run, mm. but bold prediction, heard it here first. And I don't like calling for guys to get fired. I don't. You're not. But That's not what you're doing. No. 
it's just I feel like the situation he's inheriting is going to be so tough to navigate. Um, it's that any sort of misstep along the way um, is just going to lead to such issues, uh, you know, w- with the team and just kind of being able to to build it going forward. Um, you know, if some of these prospects don't pan out, they're they're screwed. I mean. I, I just got this weird feeling that it's just it's not going to to end well, um, you know, even though it's all been set up, you know, it seems like, you know, it's, it's going to be super nice, going to take over. The expectations are going to be high and he does not have as much wiggle room to meet it. The, the competitive window currently, as it looks, is the next two years. That's the competitive window. That's when you lose everyone free agency if you don't sign extensions. And if that ends and you don't get a World Series and all of a sudden you're having to start over, are you looking at a rebuild? Is Mark Anazio going to like a rebuild? Is he going to want to to keep um, that executive through a rebuild? You know, that's that's going to be a tough one to take. So he may get five years. He may get a couple years to try to, to get it going, but... It needs to be like winning has to be now. Stearns came in, you get a couple years, you know, it's just like, yeah, whatever, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to get there as quick as we can, but no expectations. There are a lot of expectations on this team for the next couple of years. And if he doesn't meet them, Atanasio may be forced to, to make a decision. That's a bold prediction. Very uh, bold. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say I'm there yet. I'm not, I'm not, quite at that pessimistic level. Um, and I think it's more just because the core that the Brewers have helps me remain optimistic. They still have a former MVP. They still mm-hmm. have until for at least the next month-ish or so, the reigning NL Cy Young. Um, they've got a lot of good players. They've got a lot of young up-and-comers as well. They've had good drafts these last few years. There's guys that can potentially move their way up um, and take over for some of these other ones once they move down the road. The pitching development is still the pitching development. Like mm-hmm. it is still going to produce some high quality arms that are that are going to be able to keep working their way through the system and replacing guys that do end up leaving. Someone will end up being the next Devin Williams, who was the next Josh Hader. Like there will be other starters who end up making their way up. Like it's that those are the kind of things that make me feel like, okay, just don't mess it up then. Like don't Mm -hmm. do things up too bad. That's all you have to do. Right. Like make your small tweaks here and there. They have enough of a base where they can be competitive every year. Things went wrong this year. I get it. A lot of that surrounded the moves they made around the bullpen and some really untimely and bad injuries to the starting rotation. That doesn't happen again. They're probably in the playoffs over the Phillies. I don't know if they're playing in the World Series uh, necessarily, no. but they may be in the playoffs if those things don't happen. If literally they get one extra day of non-injury out of some of these pitchers. Um, Did they, you they, see those, those clutch home runs that Philly hit during that series? Reese Hoskins, <laughs> Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper, like yeah. 
Could you imagine? Like, I couldn't see any of the Brewers going on that that type of run, hitting those clutch homers. I had zero confidence in any of them. And those we had so many of those big moments throughout the year, and they never came through. Like, mm-hmm. like would the Brewers have been able to do that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, posted a, a couple. You don't know unless you get a bite of, at the apple. Yeah, posted a couple articles on the site though about some exciting. We had some good walk-offs. We had some good rallies. Like. There just there weren't quite enough of them, and yes, there were a lot of situations where, uh, in situational hitting, they didn't do what they needed to do. Regardless, I mean, they with all that said and said, they were still a, they missed it by technically one game. If they would have won a one specific game against the Phillies, they're in. Outside of that, it would have taken two games to get them in. But Do you it, mean that one specific game that Josh Hader blew? That's the one. Yeah. Um, and then Josh Hader throws one inning in the NLCS. Pitched in hey, one game. Oh, that's... I, I feel bad because really up until they the Josh Hader trade, I was a big fan of San Diego. I wanted them to be, if it wasn't going to be us, they would have been a team I would have been rooting for. Because outside of Manny Machado, I really like a lot of the players on that yeah. team. Um, it, but, oh, just so to see it happen that way. Trent Grisham ended up having, he was having a heck of a playoff run. Like, that that felt good to see. Or, yeah. Uh, kind of turning things around. He bunted. You know, here, here, here's that what happened, okay? That was the, not good. The ninth inning of an elimination game, one out. Trent Grisham decides to lay down a sacrifice bunt. I'll tell you what, that is exactly why I, I here's, here's my tinfoil hat theory. That mentality is why the Brewers traded him. Craig council probably goes to Trent Grisham. He's like, Trent ninth inning, one out runner on second. What are you doing? Coach? I'm laying down a sacrifice bunt. Craig just stares at him for five seconds. <laughs> Trade this guy. Trade. Get him off my team now. I don't want him. Get it. Get him out. Get him as far away as possible. San Diego, great, perfect. Get him out of here. That is what I can envision happening. Now, is that exactly what happened? Probably not. But like having a, a mentality to bunt there is probably exactly why the Brewers are like, eh, we'll trade you. I felt feel one hundred percent justified in my opinion towards bunting. After seeing <laughs> what happened there, bunts are dumb. Go Craig, for it, especially when Grisham had been like hitting freaking bombs to start the playoffs. He like, was 0 for 18, I think, in the NLCS. Oh dang! Oh, he, then then NLDS Grisham did not show up to the NLCS. Yeah, so he had Besides, he had a rough time there, but uh, dude, still bunting. No, come like. No. Like, and you know he had to do that on his own because I'm pretty sure Bob Melvin would be like, wait, you're going to go up there and bunt? No, 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 you're not. No, you are not. Oh, man. Bob yeah, Melvin I did a good Craig job. Craig Council afterwards. probably threw something at the TV yeah. when when he saw that. Um, I was like, you know what? I told you so. That's why we traded this guy. But, yeah, that was that was rough. So. Trent Grisham bunts with one out in the ninth. Josh Hader isn't brought in to face Bryce Harper in the eighth inning. And 
the Padres lose. Yeah. And it is the revenge of the Brewers <laughs> to yeah. knock to, to have those guys be the ones that essentially got them knocked out because either they weren't used or they were used or they used themselves very poorly. Right. Kids never bunt. Chicks dig the long ball. Never bunt hit dingers. There it is. Big yeah. L. You have that big L mentality. Yes. I hit dingers. Um, yes. But don't be one-dimensional like Hunter Renfro. <laughs> yeah, that either. Yeah. Oh, my God. I still can't believe that. Um, also, I saw a lot of people saying, oh, my God, are we going to be trading Burns? No. Corbin Burns nope. is not being traded this offseason. They're not doing that. They're not trading Burns. They're not trading Woodruff. They're not trading Adamus. None of that is happening. Those guys are staying put. They might trade Renfro. They might trade Keston Hira. But they they might cut or, or decline the option for Colton Wong. Other than that, you're not really going to see any big-time players uh, gotten rid of uh, from this team. So that's that's kind of where it is. We'll be able to dig more into the offseason once uh, it gets going and we, and we make some more moves. Uh, also, one quick final note, J.C. Mejia has been brought back on a minor league contract with a invite to major league camp uh, and spring training. I know, big, big stuff. That was the first move of the Matt Arnold era uh, happening shortly after that press conference. So, J.C. Mejia is Matt Arnold's junior Guerra. Let's see how he turns out. Uh, all right, Matt, final thoughts? Um. No, no, I got, I got nothing. Right. Thanks. Thank you, David Stearns. We, uh, we said it all. You know, it's despite what happened, I put it out there on Twitter, like despite what happened at the end of the season without David Stearns, we don't get 2018 and that magical playoff run. We don't get four straight seasons of playoffs. We don't get a lot of the potentially, we don't get a lot of the success that we've had over the last several years. So thank you, David Stearns, for that. And we'll see what Matt Arnold does. Yeah. For everything David Stearns has has done, brought about a new golden age in Brewers baseball, four playoff appearances in four years. Prior to that, the Brewers had four playoff appearances in 48 years of existence. Um, yeah, his, his accomplishments are – are long. Um, they, they don't include the the big one that we all want, the World Series, but perhaps Matt Arnold can add that to his resume. We shall see. Um, but yeah, David Stearns brought about um, a, a new golden era uh, in Brewers baseball, and it's really a shame to see a lot of the people commenting on Twitter about how they're happy to see him gone and they should leave and blah, 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 and, and just kind of yelling at him and going after him about, you know, the hater trade or whatever else. It's really a shame because Stearns put so much into this organization and built it essentially from, from the ground up from where it was in, in the Doug Melvin era and built a perennial contender. Um, whether it can remain that way, we shall see. Uh, but he has built something special and now it is in, it is in the hands of, Matt Arnold, and we shall see where it goes from here. Hopefully, I, I hope my bold prediction doesn't come true. I hope this doesn't get run into the ground, but we shall see. It is it is a fresh slate, a clean slate for Matt Arnold, and 
he's now got the whole offseason to to build the team the way he wants to see it. Yeah. I got nothing else. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for us this week on the Colbert Podcast. The big news, David Stearns stepping down as president of baseball operations. We'll be able to dig more into the offseason as that, as that gets going. The World Series, Phillies and Astros also kicking off this week. So once that is over, the offseason will really get in the full swing. And no lockout this year. Uh, super exciting. So we'll be able to keep it going with fresh content all offseason long. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.